Hey everybody, welcome to Scripture in Black and White. I'm Bobby Harrington and I'm with my friend and colleague and co-worker, Anthony Walker. So good to be here, Bobby. We have a tough one, but a good one today. Yes. When we say tough, we mean that uh, this is one of those things where um, it's tough to do it, but when we do it, it's really good right. and it'll be really good for our wives. Yes. And uh, of course, uh, we want to do those things that are at the end of the day, going to honor God and help our wives. So we're, we're today we're going to, uh, in our series on marriage and the family, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter five, which is probably the most in-depth conversation in scripture on the relationship and interaction and the principles for husbands and wives with each other. So in Ephesians chapter five, we're going to start in verse 21. We're going to work through verse 33 and we're going to talk about what does it mean in marriage for the husband to be the head uh, of his wife and what does it mean for him to model himself after Jesus. Then next week we're going to look at what does it mean for a woman to uh, follow God, love her husband, and uh, follow his headship. So uh, why don't you lead us in a word of prayer and take us through the scriptures, brother? All right, let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for today and thankful for your blessings. Father, bless us as we discuss your word on today. Help us uh, as husbands, uh, as men who aspire to be husbands, uh, to look deep in your word and find out what it means uh, to be a godly husband and the head of a godly family. Uh, help us, even as we discuss that, to understand that our wives are vitally important to our lives and uh, what a great gift from God. So help us in our discussion, help us in our understanding. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 So we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter five, uh, verses 21 through 32, 33, but we will kind of hinge on uh, around verse 25 uh, and, and look at a few others as well. But let me read it in its entirety for us. Uh, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives su submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, 
each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's good. Oh, man. Paul does a phenomenal <laughs> job in that. Phenomenal. Well, um, thank you for introducing that. Um, so basically, what we're going to deal with here is you see the, that um, the model for every husband, according to Scripture, is Jesus. Jesus' relationship with the church, which is a description of how he saved us and how he takes care of us, uh, becomes the husband's role, uh, uses the word head, word kephale. Some people erroneously say that it means source, uh, but it's been demonstrated by really the better research. It doesn't mean source. It, it, it actually means head as in leader. Uh, and, but it's a unique word for leader. There's other words in the New Testament sure. uh, that are used for leader, like arche and things like that. But the word kephale for head, it means authority, but it's a special kind of authority. It's a man in a role with his wife where he is to be to her as Jesus was the church. Amen. And the wife is to be to her husband uh, uh, as the church is to Jesus. So there's a, a responsiveness, uh, a following the leadership of, of his headship. She's supposed to uh, follow him, which is, you know, my son one day when, he w when I was raising him and he realized uh, what the Bible really says, he, he, he said to me, Dad, the, truthfully, it's, it's much harder for the man than the woman. <laughs> and it, he's right. Because if you're really going to pursue Jesus, it is, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big challenge. Now, it's totally worth it. Uh, and, and I'm so glad that we can say now with assurance, after talking to Nancy Piercy and her book on toxic masculinity, it is the best model. The man who is in the home, the Christ-like head leader who lays his life down for his wife and kids, of all the studies that have been done, it provides the best environment for women and children. So I'm glad we get to talk about that. Now, one last thing I want to draw everybody's attention to is verse 35, because I think verse 35 serves as a good summary. So uh, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. So a husband is going to love his wife uh, and, and accent that, you know, provision and care for and uh, taking care of her. Um, and the wife is going to have an accent on respecting her husband. Mm -hmm. uh, Emerson Agrich has a whole ministry built around yes. that. Love and respect. Right. And I, what I was going to underline about uh, Egerich on that is those are both challenges for husbands and wives. I know we're going to focus more so on husbands, but the loving nature uh, is the tendency for the wife. She tends to love more easily and yeah. readily. Men, it's a challenge for us to tap into that area. And, and likewise, respect and submission is the challenge for the wife. Whereas we, we get respect, you know, we, we rank in order, that's easy for us. So it, it is a working of what God is doing with our challenges and our strength. Uh, it just shows how men and women are different. I mean, we're biologically different. 
uh, it's affected us and uh, scripture is in sync with the biological differences. Yes. All right, brother. So here's what we're going to do today. We've agreed on. We're going to talk about 25 ways for men to be a, a, a Jesus-like husband or a Christ-like head. What does that mean? We're going to look at 25 specific ways. Mm. All right. So uh, guys, listen up, take notes. Your wives will be glad you did. Uh, I, here's what I always find is that when I have this conversation and people get really honest, here's what most women, in fact, every woman I've ever had a honest conversation about this because the teaching that you just read through is contrary to what the world says. Absolutely. But every woman I've ever talked to, Christian or non-Christian, will say to me, if I have a husband who loves me like that, then I can follow his leadership. Yes. <laughs> yes. I... I hear it all the time. I, I can follow after a man like that. Yeah. So uh, uh, let's, let's get into it. Um, I, I, I feel also compelled. I just want to give my definition okay. of uh, a man who's the Christ-like head to his wife and children. He's a real man. He rejects passivity. He embraces service. He accepts uh, responsibility and leads courageously. And he does these 25 things. Number one, he keeps leading and initiating even when it doesn't go well. Mm. Bobby, that's a challenge for some of us men because it's easy to lead when you're in the lead, but when it's not going well or when she may not respond like you think she yes. should, leadership is difficult. But, but a good godly man, a Christ-centered man, keeps on leading. He's going to initiate. He's going to say, uh, like, um, I've been in period, uh, through periods in my marriage where it's like nothing's working. Mm. Um, we're in conflict. Um, you know, shortly after my son was born, uh, Cindy went through postpartum depression. Mm. And uh, it was like I would try to talk to her. And, you know, I was, I was a young guy trying to figure it all out. And then one day I realized it's not working. Like, what I'm doing is not working. She's not doing well. And so I knew I needed to initiate. Like one, one of the things that happened is when we were lost, Jesus came into the world. He initiated our salvation right. by coming to rescue us. Right. And I don't rescue my wife. It, like it's not the same thing. But I've got to initiate for the betterment of my wife. So I realized uh, when she was struggling with depression like that, like I didn't know it was postpartum depression. And it turned out that it was a transitory thing, but I initiated, I got, I said, okay, well, I don't know what to do, uh, but as the leader of the family, I'm gonna call a counselor and let's go see a counselor. And uh, so we did that and I'm, you know, I'm really glad that we did. And, and I'm just using that as one example. If things aren't going well, what, what a head who is the leader does is says, I got to initiate here. I'm not going to wait on, it's not her job to initiate first. It's my job to go first. And so I'm going to serve first. I'm going to love first. I'm going to do the hard things to make it, make it better. Okay, number two. He stays alert in seeking to serve and lead, to keep the blessing flow within his family. So that, that, that's uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 
you know, you, you just want your wife to do well and you want to be alert to serving and leading. Mm. So, so a part of how you love your wife um, can, can keep the blessings flowing. Right. <laughs> All right. Let me do number three, Bobby. Uh, he accepts spiritual responsibility for his family by personally committing to his own spiritual growth and investing in the growth of his family. One of the things I share uh, with the men at our church is um, you are the head and, and that, that term deals more with responsibility yes. uh, than, you know, barking orders, so to speak. So because of that, you are the head in uh, ministry at home. You're the head in service at home. You're the head in worship at home. You are the spiritual leader uh, and that spiritual leadership develops from your own personal commitment to, to spiritual growth. Ooh, number four, he is willing to say, no, you do number, no, I, I'll do it. He is willing to say, I'm sorry and forgive me to his family. So I'm the leader uh, and when things aren't going well, uh, we both are trying. You know, my wife, like you said, it's going to be more natural for her to love. Uh, so she's going to try to lead and try to help and try, try to do her part. Uh, I'm going to do my part, but sometimes you're just going to hit an impasse and there's nothing that, that, that is like it's not working. And again, what, what a godly man does is he says, that my family, I'm called by God to be the head. I'm going to initiate and I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Mm. I want I want to I want to take a hundred percent responsibility for whatever my portion of the difficulty is. Um, we we tend to think that well you have to die to yourself when you know that the other person is partially in the wrong. You might think well I'm a little bit in the wrong there in the wrong, and and it requires humility to say. I'm not going to focus on them. I'm going to focus on me. And I'm going to say, I'm sorry. It's what we're called to do. In just a second, I'm looking for it here. In just a second, I'm going to read to you uh, a great summary about, uh, actually, I've got it. Let me, let me read it to you. I came across this, and, and I, I really love this. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest and the first to forget is the happiest oh and i i i just think that that's that that's true that's rich all right brother number five he lets his wife and children into the interior of his of his life hmm. um from my understanding that's a desire that women uh, want in terms of I, I, I want to be let in yeah and we're good at building walls we're good at compartmentalizing and sometimes in our compartmentalizing we isolate ourselves and so a good man lets them in that's right wife and kids that's right it's part of uh, you know women tend to 
do better when they understand our interior world. And uh, the more we can let them in, I think the better. Number six, he seeks to understand his wife and interacts out of that understanding. Go ahead, brother. That's first, first Peter, uh, first Peter chapter, chapter three. three. Yeah. Um, dwell with your wife with understanding. And, and I've always understood this and taught this as well, that sometimes as men, we, we can study things that we haven't yet figured out. Yeah. Um, and we're studying it to better understand it. And Peter is saying, I need you to take that same approach that you use often in life. And I need you to put that on your wife, study her, sit and watch her, learn her and, and, and try your best to understand. Oh, okay. All right. And then as you point out here and respond out of that understanding. That's right. You didn't know all the details of postpartum depression, but you knew, man, we got to do something because yeah. she's hurting. Yeah, it's so funny, you know, too, because in our natural selves, we're going to love our spouse uh, the way we want to be loved. But usually men and women are, are so different. Just another person is different. You know, there's what the five love languages and my wife and I, was, we always talk, what's your love language, what's mine? But the idea that you love the person not according to the way you want to be loved or the way you think love should work, but you love them according to what their needs are. First Peter chapter three, verse seven, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Uh, here he says, as the weaker partner, meaning physically weaker, right? Uh, but as heirs with you, the gracious gift of life. So treat your wives with respect. Are you ready for the next one? Number seven. Number seven, he seeks his wife, wife's input and counsel and many times he yields to her view when envisioning the future. Oh, you got to help me with that one, Bobby. You got to help me with that. Cause, cause, cause we just got through talking about a couple of episodes ago. He takes the lead. He goes out first. And now you're saying sometimes he yields. Yeah. Cause I, <laughs> if you ask me, this is the way most of my marriages it's, uh, uh, it's getting her input and counsel. Uh, and then when I see what she wants, here's the truth of the matter. I want on most things for her to have what she wants. And unless I think there's a godly principle at stake or something like substantive, mm -hmm. I'm just going to yield to what she wants to make her happy because I, I want her to be happy. I mean, she's my wife. Right. And, and I just want her to feel like I love her the way Jesus loves the church. So let me, I'll give you an example of this. I hope it's okay to share it, but since I'm halfway in, I'll finish. So recently the church gave Cindy and I a, uh, we've been serving for 25 years. We started the church and, uh, so they surprised us on the celebration, the church celebration of 25 years with a gift certificate for a cruise. Mm. And so, it, you know, it, it really helped pay for the cruise. And so we're looking at, well, where, where do we go on a cruise? And I love going to Israel. Uh, like I could go to Israel all the time because I, I like Middle Eastern food and I've just developed a love for the place. I've been there 12 times. 
But uh, we're talking about, well, where do you want to go? And I go, where do you want to go? And she'd go, I don't know, where do you want to go? <laughs> and, uh, but what it came down to is I knew for 30 years she's wanted to go see friends of ours in Italy. So when it came down to a cruise, to pick a cruise where it spent quite a bit of time going to port in Italy, including where we could spend two days with our friends in Italy. And she was so happy. Oh, wow. Yeah, and when we came back, the thing that made me the most happy is that she was happy. Yeah. She got, she got the cruise she wanted. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm just glad to be that kind of guy. I want to be, I want to be that kind of guy whose wife got what she wanted. So I think that, again, if it's principle, if it's a godly principle, then I'm going to, I'm, I'm, the future is what, what I think God wants for our family. Sorry. But when it's opinions, by and large, I'm going to yield to her. Mm. You take the next one. All right. He frequently tells his wife what he likes about her and praises her often in public. Um, another part of what we get as men, um, we tend to not communicate as much as we should. Communication is a vulnerability. And so with other men, we won't necessarily say, but what's going to help to make you a better husband is by you sharing those things. And even formulating the thought is a part of the exercise to share about her what you like. Um, and what that means is you can't just talk about, well, I like you this and I like you that. No, we got to keep digging because she is multifaceted. She's, she's deep. And then often praising her in public as well in the same vein uh as men we talk about the things that we enjoy yeah our favorite teams and our favorite sports car and our favorite outdoor activity and what we did and in that same discussion man i love my wife and i want to tell i tell folk when i first when i first laid eyes on who i now am married to I knew she's, that's it. And, and even the following Sunday, she visited our church and the following Sunday, I saw her again and I, I called my mom. I said, mom, I think the one. Oh, really? And so then, but, but she got away after service. I didn't get to her. And so the next time I saw her after I preached, I made sure that I was in the area to where I would be able to speak with her because I've got to talk and make contact. But she's she uh, is beautiful. She is awesome in helping me. And I don't mean that in I mean that in the very strongest way, uh, helping me to be my very best. Um, and and I, I want to shout it on the rooftops, man. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I know that, uh, you know, so if you're going to love our wives the way Christ loved the church, you know, it says in Ephesians that he presented the church as a beautiful, radiant and holy without any blemish. Mm -hmm. And so um, to the extent that we can envision our wife at her best and speak to that, I think that's good. Like uh, my wife, uh, she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And when I point out how she is beautiful, and attractive and what she does well and how I love and appreciate her. Uh, 
I'm I'm acknowledging who she aspires to be at her best. Yes. And uh, just telling her, you know, my affection and appreciation. Okay. Uh, number nine. This will be hard for for some guys, but I think it's important. Actually, before I get to nine, you know, one of the things I've noticed in the church is over the years, I've been in ministry, um, you know, for almost 40 years. Uh, and one of the things that I notice is that when I speak highly of my wife at church, uh, she, I, she likes it. Like she would never want me to do it just, just to do it. But when it comes up and I do it, she values it. But you know who really values it? All the women in the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that a man speaking highly of his wife, yes. uh, really has a good impact on the whole church. I just wanted to mention that. Number nine, he prays with and for his wife on a regular basis. Anthony? I grew up with that understanding. The family that prays together stays together. Um, prayer with your wife and with your family uh, is vitally important. One thing I'll share about this, neither one of us, my wife or myself, grew up with a regular daily family prayer. Now, again, my grandmother, she's a strong praying woman. I learned how to pray from her, uh, prayed a lot, but there was not the uh, kind of arranged and orderly, hey, we can sit down and pray right now regularly. Uh, and likewise for my wife, but every day, um, at least once a day, it happens multiple times, but at least once a day, we all come together uh, to pray. And, and it's gotten to the point now to where my kids on their own, if we have a long day, we get home, we're okay, let's take a bath and go to bed. They will wake up at one o'clock in the morning. Hey, we didn't pray today. Really? We got to pray. Yes, they will, you know, we got to. So even going to bed, we no, we, we got to get our family prayer together. Oh, that's good. By the way, these uh, 25 ways to be a uh, a Jesus-like head or servant to your wife. Uh, it's from an article that Renee Sproles and I wrote on Renew.org. It's men and women, men and women, and it's part 12. So go to Renew.org, men and women, part 12, and you'll get the list for the men, the 25 we're working through, and for the women uh, that Renee's going to help us with. Okay, number 10. He encourages his wife to grow as an individual and ensures time for his wife to pursue her own personal interests. Again, uh, we want our wives to be radiant, uh, to be without spot, uh, spot blemish, uh, and to be fully uh, everything God wants them to be. So if, if that's what we're doing, then of course we're going to want her to pursue her interests. Number 11, you want to take that? He discusses household responsibilities with his wife and makes sure they are reasonably distributed. Um, we are a young family and uh, there has been a lot of change in the last 10 years in our family. I mean, we go from just me and Jenny <laughs> to then with the kids. Uh, we've moved a couple of times. Ministry has taken off in different directions. Uh, she's gone from working outside the home to now working inside the home and exclusively and just all these different changes. But in that what I'm getting at with this is because of that, sometimes we get out of balance. Yeah. And so we have to have those 
moments and times where we kind of got to discuss, hey, is everything all right? Has it, you know, and that's where a point where she can say, hey, I'm a little overloaded here. You know, I need some help in these areas. I can say, hey, this week or these upcoming weeks is going to be kind of heavy on this end. What can I do to prepare yeah. for those moments? Yeah. Certainly. You know, a lot of uh, women struggle because they feel like they have a job outside the home. And then they come home, they got to do everything in the home. And so it's to make sure that those uh, that we're sharing things equally. And really what you want to do is uh, share it according to your giftedness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, in some areas on detail, Cindy's better than I am. On other areas, like when we do our taxes, uh, there's a lot of detailed work, she'll take care of it, but I'm the guy to pull it all together, to categorize it and get it done for the accountant. And we, there's a good harmony there, of the division of labor. Okay, number 12, he provides financially for his wife's I'm sorry, he provides financially for his wife's basic living expenses and consults his wife on all major financial decisions. So this is a, a bit of a controversial one to some people because the idea that um, only the man is the income earner, uh, some people may think that's, we're not saying that, but we're saying that when you're the head and the leader, financial responsibility, the buck stops with you. Now, if you are in a marriage where your wife has a good income and uh, the family's going to be best provided that way, then that might be an, you know, a way to do it. I, would, I always find that if, if the woman is the major financial earner in the family, boy, you've got to have a lot of conversations around that because you don't want her to undermine his uh, headship and his sense of, hey, I've got to make sure I'm doing my part. Now, I think he can be okay with that. Mm -hmm. She's the majority financial earner. But the, the bottom line responsibility is that it, it's, it, the buck stops with the guy who's the head to make sure that he's taking care. And in too many places, men are not providing financially for their wives and kids. And that's not what Jesus would do. If Jesus were your wife's husband, he would be taking care of her. As he told us, you know, as a, as a head, he told us in Matthew chapter six, take no thought about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to wear, about where you're going to stay. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So as the husband, we need to be able to say to our wives, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to stay. Uh, he keeps his fi family financially sound and out of harmful debt. Really all he's doing is he's being a godly man and a godly man is going to follow sound financial principles. Like he's going to follow the book of Proverbs. According to Proverbs, you're going to make wise financial decisions. You're going to avoid debt. Amen. And, and so, of course, that's what a Christ-like leader is going to do. Anthony, number 14. He makes sure he and his wife have drawn up a will and arranged a well-conceived plan for their children in case of death. Mm -hmm. That's not a conversation that we want to talk about. Right. Remember, uh, I was, I think, 35, and I have a good, really good friend of mine who uh, does wills and, and he also does funerals and stuff and life planning, basically. Uh, and, and he shared with me, hey, we, we got to get on this. And having had a lot of death in my family and my father died when he was 25. And it's like, that's not the conversation that I want to have. However, it's not about just my ending. 
It's about the future for the family. So we got to have that conversation. Number 15. He follows through with commitments he has made to his wife and family. Uh, being committed is doing what you said you would do, even if and when the feeling has changed from the time Ooh. you said that you'd do it. That'd be a man of your word. That's it. So, so not just on the good days, but even on those tough days, following through with your commitments to your family. This is making a great husband, these, these steps here. Yeah, yeah. It's really like, these are great questions to work through. Yeah. Like use them as things, how am I doing at this? And here's an interesting one. Uh, so Cindy and I will be married this coming uh, Christmas, if you can believe it, 44 years. And so the next one is, he anticipates the different stages his marriage and his children will pass through. And you know, it's true. Um, I'll never forget the day that uh, we took my daughter, Ashley, and dropped her off at Harding University to go to school. And uh, we came back and we went to bed and the bed's shaking. And I'm looking up and, and it's shaking because Cindy's over there crying. Oh. And she's crying because it was a major change in our lives. And uh, the, the things that we have experienced in the different stages are really, really different. And so anticipate that and to help her and of course help the kids through those stages, I think is really important. One of the things that, that you know, uh, I'm really grateful for the people that taught me. So like when our kids, uh, you know, were around 12, we made sure that we made arrangements to take them away talk about sexuality. Actually, I think it's better to do it uh, a little earlier now. Uh, but, you know, you go away and you help them to, real, to understand sexuality and think about all that. And then when they were 18, we had uh, ceremonies for them, transitioning into adulthood. You asked me if I'd ever been to the Grand Canyon, and my answer is yes, I've been to the Grand Canyon because when Chad turned 18, uh, when he was about to turn 18, I told him I'll I'll do whatever you want because he felt like we needed to be a little more adventurous than we'd been when he's growing up. So I said, when you turn 18, I'll take you wherever you want. And he said, well, I want to go to the Grand Canyon. So I took him to the Grand Canyon to hike the Grand Canyon. Uh, to my, my parents had a place in Phoenix at that time. So my dad got to tell him about Harrington men. And then we did, a, a, you know, we went to the Grand Canyon to acknowledge and celebrate uh, his 18th birthday. Anthony, number 17. He manages the schedule of the home and anticipates any pressure points. Husbands, we are leaders, we are visionaries, and if you're a visionary, you have to envision the path down the road. So you have to look at not only the path, but where we're going, how we're gonna navigate that, and that includes your schedule and finding out, okay, how can I help us to better anticipate this one? That's good. Uh, number 18, he deals with distractions so he can talk with his wife and family. <laughs> Here's the truth about most men is that we, our wives are trying to talk to us like we're watching a football game or uh, I enjoy watching the news or things like that. And it's like, 
give me attention. <laughs> like, like I'm trying to talk to you right now. I remember when, when, when that, uh, Chad was just a little boy and he's at home. I don't know what he's doing, but he, he's trying to talk to me and I'm not listening. And he goes, hear me, daddy, hear me, hear me. And, and it's, you know, it's so easy, at least for me. And maybe it's because I'm high in focus on strength finders. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of my strengths is I can really focus, but sometimes I get too focused and I need to put aside any of those distractions and prioritize, you know, my wife, my children are now my grandchildren. Praise God. All right, number 19. He initiates meaningful family traditions and regular fun family outings. I've had to learn this about myself. Um, the family really appreciates that time, that kind of time. Yeah. Um, like you, I can be very focused and I think most men, we, we have stronger endurance in terms of work. So we can work 10, 12, 14 hour days, several days of, you know, in a row. And it's just, but we have to pull out of that and even take the time to, hey, kids, let's come on, let's go. Let's go and let's enjoy some fun. And I like this as well. Uh, my wife is really big on this one. Our own family traditions that we're going to do this. Uh, we have some, uh, some video game nights and, and my, you know, sometimes for Renew and for other conferences, I'm traveling, I'm doing all kinds of work, but uh, the kids love it when I'm able to make it back in for video game night. Like, all right. That's what we get to do, video game night. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he takes the lead in establishing with his wife sound biblically supportable biblically supportable family values you know every family is going to have distinct values they're going to have things that you know they're really important to you and uh i here's what i recommend is that you actually have a family mission statement uh uh, there's tools out there where you can you can look at that because it's going to describe what your real purpose for the family is and i think there's certain key values that you want to make sure your family teaches like like for us, of course, we wanted our kids to pray, have active prayer life. Church is really important for them. And uh, you've got to think it through and then reiterate the values that you want your family to, to have as God teaches. Number 21, he takes the time to give his children practical instruction about life, which in turn gives them confidence with their peers. Uh, I'll say this to us men, um, because we get so bogged down in our jobs and in our tasks and working along with other men who are highly competent, we assume that our kids know or our family knows, like, you know how to do this. And what I've had to find myself doing a lot of times with my son and my daughter is just really stopping to say, do you know how to do this? Yeah, that's good. And breaking it down and telling them, and you're exactly right on this, it gives them confidence that, hey, I've learned something new. I know a new principle, a new uh, way of life. Yeah. Even things like how to change, like when they're getting to the stage where they can drive, how to change a tire and, Mm -hmm. you know, how to keep a bank account and, you know, personal hygiene. Yeah. uh, All these kinds of things. 
we've got to remember that we are the primary people to teach them yes uh, these things and too many kids are growing up and nobody's giving them basic instructions about this stuff and when you discipline a child with those instructions you're equipping them with how they're going to live the rest of their lives. Amen. So important. Um, he explains, number 22, he explains sex to each child in a way that gives them a wholesome perspective. I, you know, when I grew up, you didn't really, you know, parents didn't talk to their kids about sex. I remember we had guinea pigs, and uh, one of the guinea pigs got the other guinea pig pregnant, and my mom used that. My dad never told me about sex. My mom used that to tell me about sex, which was really weird. And of course, I'd already heard from my friends about it because they took too long. Uh, now, we, we weren't in a Christian family or anything, but it's so important that at an early age, at the appropriate age, that we give them a wholesome, like sex is good and God made it. It's for marriage only. And here's what it is. Like, if we don't tell them, they're going to find out, especially with the Internet now and, uh, you know, the ability on your phone just to find it. We want to be ahead of all of that and teach them a wholesome view of what sexuality is, what God wants, and the dangers of pornography for both boys and girls. We've got a, we've got a large group of young adult families with young kids, and so all of our kids are about the same age range, and we're all, as parents, like, hey, we got to get this together. We got to figure out how we're going to have that discussion. We got to figure because we don't want the world to jump the gun. So we have to get uh, on board. You're exactly. And uh, we're going to talk in an upcoming episode. Uh, actually, we'll have a couple episodes on family discipleship. But the whole idea of discipling your children in the ways of God, uh, in the ways of Jesus, the Real Life Theology Conversations book, that's Real Life Theology Conversations. Very good book. It's designed for you to disciple your kids with. Okay, number 23. This is super important in my observation for men. He joins a discipling group of men who are dedicating to improving their skills as disciples, husbands, and fathers. It is so important that men help men to be what God wants men to be. And we've, like... Like, I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. And too many men, well, first of all, you and I are huge advocates. Every man needs to be in discipling relationships. It's the way God intends. It's what you need. I see so many men out there making bad decisions because they're not in relationship with other men who are helping them think through a godly perspective. Yeah. And too many men are alone. Too many men don't have friends. Too many men are out there figuring it out by themselves and it's just foolish because we need counsel, we need wisdom from other men and as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Yes, sir. Uh, 24, he asks for help when he or his family is floundering. Uh, this is a skilled man that we must learn and the earlier the better to ask for help we will not get on the right path by staying on the wrong road and a lot of times in our driving we'll do that we'll tell oh i've got it oh we're going to stop and ask there are so many wise men that are around 
There are marriages that have gone through what your marriage is going through or is about to go through. There are parents, I think about, you know, my relationship uh, with Bobby, you know, he's already gone through the ups and downs of marriage. He's gone through the ups and downs of raising kids. He's he's on the third round of this thing dealing with grandkids now. So you, you've already got, that's a wealth of knowledge that I can say, how did you, how do you, and when they do, how is this? So that's why church is so important. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you have people you can turn to and get help. And then last, I like this last one. He keeps starting over. Can I just say this? There's none of us. There is no man. There is no father. There is no husband who's got it all together. And so as we do with Jesus, where we ask him to forgive our sins and uh, we start over, we start over and over. Uh, and you want to do that for yourself. Speak it to yourself. Speak it to your wife. Speak it to your children. Be the guy who says, I'm sorry. You know, Cindy and I would have fights. And then I realized that's not good for my kids. So I'd apologize to her and I'd apologize to the kids. And uh, we just want to start over and over again. Wow. Listen, listen, men uh, that are watching this, I, I want to challenge you to do a couple of things. One, listen to all of this as you've done thus far. Uh, play it over again and again to kind of focus on this. Share it with some other men, some other husbands, the men that are in your uh, discipling group, your small group. Uh, help to encourage other men with this. Uh, wives that are watching this, encourage your husband with understanding and listening to this. Hopefully there's some things that you've learned uh, through this as well. Couples, share this with others. Hey, because we want a multiplicity of good men and good husbands. And one other challenge I want to give you before we get out of here is I want to challenge you to tune in on the next one where we talk about 25 ways that wives can be good helpers. Is that it? Yeah, why, no, that's right. Wives can be, I like Renee Sproul's uh, definition, strong help. Strong help. To their husbands. So we're actually in the next episode, we're going to have Renee with us to talk about it. Uh, I want to encourage everybody as we're ending. And remember, a, a Christ-like man is a real man. He rejects passivity. He embraces service. He accepts responsibility. And he leads courageously. So until next time, Anthony and everyone, thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening to Scripture in Black and White. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Coming up next, Ephesians 5 and 25. Way to be a strong help to your husband. An interview with Renee Sproles.